Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. I'm a marathoner, coach, and answer seeker. When I first started running at the age of 29, I had so many questions and what felt like nowhere to turn to for answers. And now I'm here to answer all your running questions about anything that you might want to know. If you're a new runner or you've been doing this for a long time, there's always something more to learn about running. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I am Elizabeth, and this week we are going to be talking about discipline, cultivating discipline and what that actually means. But before we get started, I want to go through a few fun housekeeping items about what's going on in the Running Explained world. First off, the Boston Marathon is coming up in just a few weeks. And if you're going to be in Boston for the marathon, either spectating or volunteering or running, we are doing a Sunday morning shakeout run uh, co-hosted by myself, Coach Andrew for the Running Explained coaching team will be there along with Sarah Manderscheid of Elevate Your Running and Danielle Hart of Run with Coach D. We're going to be doing a lovely little shakeout run. All are welcome. 20 to 30 minutes around the Boston Common. We're going to meet at the tennis courts on the Boston Common, do a little dynamic warm up, do a little pep talk talk about the conditions, talk about the course, talk about tips and tricks, and then be off. If you then need to go pick up your bib at the convention center, you can hop on the T station, which is like right there, and take it straight on down to the convention center. So it is an easy one to 10 a.m. on Sunday, April 16th, tennis courts on the Boston Common. I hope to see you there. Another fun little thing that I just did, uh, which is, is, I think, something I've been meaning to do for a while, there is now a training plan finder quiz available on the website. If you have um, had questions about which training plan might be the right fit for you, the quiz is here to help you. It'll help you understand what the best level plan is, if a race specific plan or a base building or a speed based plan is the right fit based on your current volume, how long you've been running and what you're trying to accomplish. So that's a fun, a fun little tool that is now available to you. And of course, as always, we do have spaces on our one-on-one coaching roster. If you're looking for that top level, super, super personalized, customized support programming, one-on-one coaching is available. Also have spots in our group coaching with me, Coach Elizabeth, and then of course, Training Plus for the self-directed athlete. And that comes with a 30-minute coaching consult with me. On to our topic for today. We talk about discipline. Um, discipline is, to be frank with you, a really misunderstood and misapplied concept for a lot of people. And I think traditionally in the in the in the fitness space, in the athletic space, it is often construed as something that is. It it, it requires sacrifice. It requires struggle. It requires deprivation. It requires you to do things that you don't want to do, right? Thinking about discipline, thinking about Jillian Michaels screaming at people on TV, right? That kind of tough love motivation about if you or if you were really dedicated, you would be more disciplined, right? All these, all these things that feed into what we often think about what discipline is. But that's not actually what discipline is. And so the reason I wanted to have this conversation is because of the messaging and and the questions quite frankly and a lot of the stuff that I've I'm seeing more recently about um you know just people who are who are struggling to stay consistent who are struggling to stay on the path of what they're trying to do with their goals and I think sometimes we don't really understand what and why we're doing something and and how to honestly best achieve that so we're going to talk about discipline and what that actually means okay so like I said, discipline is typically associated with like all of this sacrifice and struggle and the things that I should be doing. And um, think about it this way, right? You think, well, uh, I it often goes this way. You wish you had more discipline, right? Nobody says, gee, I really, really wish I had less discipline. I wish I had the discipline to do X, Y, Z, right? I wish I had the discipline to get up and run before work. I wish I had the discipline to, you know, do this this many times a week or to say no to this or to whatever the thing is. But that, like I said, is a misunderstanding of what discipline actually is. Because if you are consistently trying to explore discipline as a concept of denial and struggle and sacrifice, it's really hard to cultivate something that kind of feels bad, right? Saying no to yourself feels bad a lot of the time. 
right? Like, oh, I want that cookie. No, you shouldn't have that cookie. <laughs> Love cookies, eat cookies, right? Just one example. It's a very common example. Oh, I know I should go for a run. I know I should do my strength training. I know that I should get up before work. I know that I should do all of these things. And then for a lot of people, you know, when you're trying to affect behavior change, which is really hard, this whole industry set up around affecting behavior change, which is really what this is. Then of course, you know, you might, you might do it for a little bit, maybe a couple of days, maybe a week, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, right? But then kind of somewhere along the road, something happens. This typically happens where you find yourself in a groove and you, in order to maintain this behavior, you have to be so rigid. You have to be so exacting that one tiny little wobble exposes the whole thing as a house of cards and all comes crashing down. So what does this look like? Let's say that you have set out this goal to run a specific race and you're going to train for it and you're going to go all in, right? I hear this a lot. I'm an all or nothing kind of person. I'm either all in or I'm all out. I have to, you know, if, if I, if I miss one day, the whole thing comes crashing down. Well, that doesn't sound very healthy or sustainable. Maybe it's about exploring why, why the, the foundation that your behaviors rest on is so fragile to begin with. Because if we approach this application of self-discipline in the context of trying to cultivate long-term consistency, because to be completely honest with you, the number one thing that's going to serve you best as a runner is training consistently in the long term. Like nothing else matters, right? You can do the most amazing heroic training cycle, but then if you take six months off afterwards, like that's, that doesn't help you really move forward, right? So long-term consistency. If we're exploring this framework of how to create long-term consistency, we have to explore the foundation upon which our behaviors rest at all. And in order to do that, we have to explore what self-discipline actually is, and understand where our behavior motivations are actually coming from and what we're really trying to accomplish with the resources that we currently have available. Okay, so emotional resources, psychological resources, physiological resources, financial resources too, right? All the resources we have available. So back to this example. You are set this goal for yourself and, you know, let's say, Let's say you're training for, use my classic example, training for your very first half marathon. And it's four months away, and you've kind of scared yourself into training for this goal. You're thinking this is such a huge goal uh, that, of course, I will be motivated to train for it. And you, you, you are. You, you get up pretty consistently. You do the runs in your training plan. Um, you know, it's challenging. As time goes on, your volume increases, you know, you're, you're finding it, you know, demanding, um, but you're, you're kind of balancing it out and making it work. And then something happens, right? Two months in, maybe two weeks in, something happens. You miss a run or you get sick or literally any one of a thousand things could happen to cause you to deviate ever so slightly from the extraordinarily rigid schedule and lifestyle and behavior, set of behaviors that you have set out for yourself because you feel like the only way you can accomplish this is to be super, super, super rigid. Something happens. You miss a run. Maybe you miss two runs. And then something something feels like it changes inside you. And like that that kind of motivation or that fear or that it's just gone, right? the house of cards comes crashing down. This is a really common situation. And maybe it's not exactly like this for you, right? Maybe you did this for a couple years, maybe in training for a while, whatever it is. I see this a lot. Runners who self-describe as I'm either all in or all out. I'm kind of an all or nothing, black or white kind of person. And I struggle to stay consistent because when something happens in my life, it knocks me off balance. And then I end up not running for a long right, days weeks, months on end. Okay. Again, when we are 
looking at self-discipline and cultivating discipline as something that requires struggle and sacrifice and denial and possibly shame for us to reach our goals. If I don't get up and run today, I will be a failure, right? There's only so far we can get when we are relying on those types of emotions and thoughts to drive us forward. Because I'll be honest with you, driving yourself forward with fear, shame, denial, and uh, struggle and sacrifice, that's not sustainable. (laughs) It is not sustainable to hate yourself all the way to your goal. Are Are you planning on feeling that way for the rest of your life? which I hope includes lots of running, right? So this traditional framework of, of understanding discipline as a form of denial and sacrifice and saying no. Now, we'll talk about what self-discipline actually is because it does require, you know, discipline on some level. But this idea that your training should be, it should be, it should require you, right? To deny yourself all these things. And this can look like, you know, Denying yourself time with your family. This can look like denying yourself time to sleep. This can look like denying yourself, you know, time for for you as a person. Um, this is not sustainable. So what actually, what is what truly is discipline, okay? So we talk about what self-discipline truly is. It's the ability to manage your thoughts, emotions, or behavior in the face of temptation in order to achieve a specific goal. Okay, so you might think, well, Elizabeth, that sounds a whole lot like sacrifice, struggle, and denial to me. (laughs) Um, Manage your thoughts, emotions, or behavior. Because here's the thing. I'm not saying that by, you know, uh, pivoting your mindset that all of a sudden you're going to wake up every single day and be like, yeah, I want to do every single run. I want to do all these sessions. I am like 100% motivated all the time. That's not what this is. There are many things in life that we do because we know it moves us forward and it is helping us achieve our long-term goal even if we don't specifically feel like doing the thing on the day right i don't know about you but i receive no i'm not motivated to floss as in like a yeah let's floss i am super motivated to floss let's do it no i floss because i know that it's actually just good for me in the long term right and it also kind of makes me feel good i'm like yeah a floss Running's kind of the same way. There are a lot of behaviors in your life that are the same. And a lot of the behaviors and thoughts and emotions and feelings that we have around things like exercising around athletic performance and often around, and this is a totally separate conversation, I'm not even going to get into this today, but often as we experience those things in relation to fueling and food and possibly body image, right? Again, it's the expectation that we are going to be 100% motivated to achieve this thing and that the converse of that is that well if I'm not motivated every single day to do this thing that there's something wrong with me there's not you're human you're never going to be 100% motivated 100% of the time no matter how much you love running honestly and talk to any runner (laughs) whatever their backstory or experiences or how long they've been running for elite runners i'm sure that elliot kipchoge wakes up some days and thinks i don't want to do this but he he does it right because he has set up his set of behaviors and the way that he has expressed what success and motivation and goals are for him personally so that it's not it doesn't feel like struggle or sacrifice or like self-flagellation to get out the door and go for a run right so managing your thoughts emotions or behaviors in the face of temptation often the temptation is to not do the thing i am going to talk a bit later on about uh people who actually need to focus on self-discipline as backing off we'll talk about that in the context of man uh matching your available resources to the goal that you're trying to achieve but for a lot of people when we're talking about temptation it's often the temptation to not right the temptation to not go for a run the temptation to not get up early the temptation to not strength train right or the temptation i think to 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 stay 
at rest, whatever that means to you. you think about physics, right? An object in motion stays in motion, an object at rest stays at rest. It's one of the things I say to my runners, and I, I use this in my own life, is that, you know, what, saying that one of the hardest things about running is sometimes just getting out the door. Once, once you get moving, all of those kind of doubts and fears and like, I don't want to do this, they kind of go away because you're, you're going, like you're doing it, right? Oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> but how do we make it more likely that you're going to get out the door consistently, not just in the weeks and the months, but in the years of your training? All right, so thinking about the traditional form of discipline, right? It's often couched in willpower. And I hear this a lot from people. Oh, I just don't have the willpower to do X, Y, Z. I don't have the willpower to, well, willpower is honestly completely overrated. Um, you shouldn't have to have a, a struggle of willpower every single time that you do anything. But often it's framed as this benefit or this positive that like, oh, if you, if you were supposed to go for a run and you didn't feel like you did it anyways, oh, you you were, oh, you were exercising such good willpower. Oh, you're so tough. Oh, you're so strong. I wish I had your discipline. So the converse of that is if you believe that your behaviors are motivate are, are a result of the willpower that you're exhibiting and the discipline that you have, when you don't do the thing for whatever reason, there's a lot of disappoint self-disappointment and shame. Oh my God. Like, oh, I'm a, what a failure. Like I couldn't even get out the door. Like, oh my God, I'm so lazy. I can't believe I missed that run. I can't believe I X, Y, Z. Right. Again, talking about you can't shame and hate your way to your goals in the long term. But if you are, if you are experiencing this kind of thought cycle and these emotions, when these situations occur, you may be stuck in this shame spiral without even realizing it. And guess what? When you feel bad, it doesn't make you more likely to then want to do something, right? If I miss a run and then I totally beat myself up for it, am I more likely to go for a run the next day? I don't know, maybe because I'm running on like self-hatred, but again, that's not a sustainable fuel. Now, I want to talk about different kinds of motivation and goals, because this all plays into willpower and quote unquote discipline, because all of these things honestly need to align in order for us to effect long term change and to create the structure I think that a lot of us are aiming for in our training, right? The ability to make running consistently a habit, the ability to make running such an integral part of our life that it's not a struggle to get out the door every day, that it is something that's just a part of who we are, that we're not taking months and months off every single time that we finish training cycle because we're just so burnt out by the end of it. And this is not a discussion about overtraining, although we are, like I said, are going to talk about managing, managing your goals and behaviors with the available resources that we have. When you have goals and motivations that are set up in a specific way. And there is, we have intrinsic motiv motivation and extrinsic motivation. We have process goals and we have outcome goals. When you have motivation and goals that are skewed one way versus the other, willpower and discipline become more or less important. And what do I mean by this? It's important to have, I think, a range of goals. You, there's nothing wrong with extrinsic motivation. Okay. Extrinsic motivation is when you are motivated to do something because of external factors, a reward or a punishment or a recognition like kudos on Strava. Okay. Extrinsic motivation, um, different from intrinsic motivation, right? When you do something that is driven because of your personal enjoyment or interest or satisfaction from doing the thing, this is two different things, two different ways of sometimes looking at the same goal, right? So you might think, oh, well, uh, running a very specific time or a very specific distance, um, that must be an extrinsic motivator. Well, it could be. It could be if you're doing it for somebody else or you're doing it in relation to something else or you are expecting some sort of punishment for not doing it. And punishment can be shame, right? Beating yourself up as a punishment. But you can also want to achieve that goal because you 
you find it personally rewarding and challenging and you're doing it because you want to test the limits of what you're capable of doing, right? So I'm not lumping specific types of, of things into one or the other. You can be extrinsic or intrinsically motivated to do one thing. And let's talk about goals, outcome goals versus process goals. Outcome goals are what they sound like. Outcome goals focus solely on the outcome, okay? So an outcome goal in this situation, and let's actually make this a concrete example, okay? Let's say that the uh, this hypothetical person, right, we are looking at trying to run a two-hour half marathon, okay? And the extrinsic motivation in this situation could be the fact that it is a big goal, it is a nice round number, People seem to attach value to nice round numbers and you feel like by achieving this goal, it will uh, boost your status or value as a runner because you've been able to achieve this goal. And perhaps the kind of flip side of that extrinsic motivation is that if you've, you've stated that you want to achieve this goal and you don't achieve this goal in this race specific training cycle, then you will then feel shame, right? You will feel like you have not exceed it, you've failed in trying to achieve your goal, right? So that's the extrinsic motivation. The intrinsic motivation, if we're looking at it that way instead of extrinsic, the intrinsic way of approaching this kind of goal is saying, this goal is a challenging one for me, but it's something that I want to do to test my limits. I know that this, the motivation to achieve this goal is not driven by outside factors. And if I don't achieve this goal, that doesn't mean anything about me personally as a runner, right? But I want to achieve this goal. My motivation for trying to achieve this goal is because it will bring me personal enjoyment in that I know that I did something that was challenging and was able to succeed in the process, right? To achieve the goal as it ought to be. Intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Now, the goal itself, the two-hour half marathon, is an outcome goal. An outcome goal is what it sounds like. An outcome goal is the goal at the end. It's the outcome, right? So it is achieving the specific time. It is running the specific distance. If we want to get even more granular, it is running hyper-specific paces. Outcome goals are related to what happens at the end of the, of the thing that you're trying to accomplish. And outcome goals typically have a very specific time frame and a very specific, like, this is the goal. Process goals... Process goals are, as you might expect, goals that are related to the process, okay? Goals that are about going through the process of achieving whatever, you don't even have to have an outcome goal, honestly, to have a process goal. A process goal could look like making sure that you're taking all your easy runs really easy, focusing on the day by day. A process goal could look like making sure that you are enjoying the training that you're doing, that you are choosing goals that uh, motivate and excite you rather than terrify you and make you feel bad. An uh, a, a process goal, there's a lot of relationship between extrinsic outcome goals and intr intrinsic process goals, right? Like you, you <laughs> nobody said, I love process goals because other people think I'm awesome when I achieve them. Like that's not... <laughs> Typically, process goals are intrinsically motivated. Now, again, the same is not always true. You can't have outcome goals that are intrinsically motivated, right? But outcome goals tend to be more visible. They tend to be something that people, you might think people notice or look at or believe that for you it's an outward sign of what your worth might be as a runner. And that's not how I think we should ever approach running because your outcomes are have absolutely no nothing to do with your worth as a person, right? But I understand there's a lot of kind of jockeying for status and some people genuinely do believe that running specific paces or specific goals makes them better than other people. And we know that that is simply not true. So if you have your motivation and your goals set up to be more extrinsic and outcome focused, it's very hard to cultivate long-term self-discipline, consistency, and behavior change for a couple of reasons. One, research has shown extrinsic motivation is just simply not as effective 
as intrinsic motivation. It's just not. Intrinsic motivation is far more effective in actually affecting long-term behavior change, okay? Because going back to that kind of shame and self-sacrifice and denial and all of that is that intrinsically motivated things we're doing because they make us feel good and by doing the thing, that's the reward in and of itself. It's a lot to do with personal fulfillment about what you personally enjoy doing and the things that you personally find rewarding. Extrinsic motivation, again, tends to be something that is more visible, that is shorter term in general, and does not necessarily lead to lasting long-term behavior change. Now, I'm not saying extrinsic motivation is never useful. It can be. It can be incredibly useful to get you started. It could be incredibly useful to get you out the door on days when your intrinsic motivation simply isn't there. But if you are overly relying on extrinsic motivation, that's often where we see the breakdown in trying to cultivate this long-term behavior change that we call self-discipline in creating the consistency. So if you are only doing things for extrinsic motivational purposes, if you are only focusing on outcome goals, where is where is the long-term incentive to actually create behavior change? Where is it? Right? This is another piece here that we haven't talked about. And this is something called the arrival fallacy. So the arrival fallacy is something that's an illusion. It's a belief or it's a thought that once we achieve a certain thing, once we have arrived, we will then be happy. And this, this happens a lot of if I can only run this much, If I could only run this pace, if I could only run this distance, or if I could only achieve this goal, then, and only then, will I be happy, be fulfilled, be content. I don't know. But here's the thing. The arrival fallacy is a fallacy for a reason. And how many of you have achieved a goal and been like, yeah, I did it. And then like the next day, been like, okay, now what? I don't feel any different. I expected it to feel different. Still having the same issues, still having the same struggles, still having the same, you know, whatever it is. That's because it's not about arriving. It's not about the outcome. At the end of the day, this is all about the process. And the process has to be motivated by your intrinsic desire and enjoyment of the process. I know it's very circular. You're like, wait, so I'm supposed to be intrinsically motivated and enjoy the process to be intrinsically motivated and enjoy the process. It, at the core of it, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying, again, intrinsic motivation absolutely has its place. Outcome goals, sure, you definitely can and sometimes should have those in certain situations. But they it, extrinsic motivation and outcome goals cannot dominate your why. Because going back to discipline and creating discipline, right? Self-discipline. The ability to manage your thoughts and emotions or behavior in the face of temptation or to achieve a specific goal. What happens when you're not trying to achieve that goal anymore? What happens when you're like, well, I achieved that goal. Now what? Where's, where's the incentive for you to continue? And by the way, if you've arrived at that goal through a whole bunch of like hating yourself and sacrificing and not enjoying the process, why would you want to do it again? Why would you keep going? We also want to make sure that when we are setting out to achieve a goal and we're trying to exercise, we're going to talk about the W word, willpower, in order to achieve that goal, that we are, like I said, matching our goals and our expectations to our available resources. Okay, so there's a lot of more recent research that looks at willpower. And it used to be thinking, we used to think that willpower was this like, like a finite resource. Like once you've exercised all your willpower for the day, it was gone. (laughs) 
Um, that's not exactly true, although we do know that there are some things that like decision fatigue that can make quote unquote exercising willpower less, I'm going to say less attractive. The cost benefit analysis starts skewing in the other direction. I'm going to give you a really great example. Okay. So let's say that you are training for this thing and you have a run on your schedule. And for some reason you've just had, you, you typically like to run in the morning, but for whatever reason today you couldn't and you are running after work or you're running at night, right? So you've gotten up, you had, you typically run in the morning. So one, first of all, we have to recognize that your schedule is out of whack, right? Your body loves routine. Your brain loves routine. Your body genuinely likes things to be the same, like all the time, every single day. So when you, when you take your body out of that routine, it's you're already kind of at a disadvantage, right? Because your body's like, hey, <laughs> we didn't do what we normally do this morning. Now what? Um, get up, you work a full day, right? Or whatever you do, you, you know, whatever the activity you do, your full day's worth of activity, which is for the vast majority of people, something that is pretty dang emotionally and mentally draining. Even if it's just sitting in a computer all day, my God, everybody who has a job that requires sitting at a computer all day, we know it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Because then what do you have to do? You have to work that entire day and you're all out of whack. You don't have your like normal feeling schedule, right? You usually run in the morning. Now you have to run at night and you get home and you're like, oh my God, I don't want to go for a run. I'm exhausted. The willpower voice, that little voice inside you that says you should, you can't miss this run. You should. And you're like, but I'm exhausted. I'm so tired after working all day. Right. And there's one, there's two things going on here, right? There's an understanding or I think a misunderstanding of the available resources you have in the moment to make the right, make a, make a decision that's beneficial for you in the long term. Okay. And then there is typically a misunderstanding that like the fatigue that you feel is real. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go for a run. But what I'm saying is that you have to understand what you're currently feeling in order to make an informed decision. Now, pure fear-based, you know, or like traditional, like I'm just gonna do it type of willpower in that situation might be enough to get you out the door on that day. Sure. And maybe that's what you need. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with flexing that mental muscle and being like, I really don't want to do this, but barring illness or injury, there's technically nothing wrong. So I'm just going to go get it done anyways, right? Doesn't have to be perfect to get it done. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you are in that situation, every single day or more days than not, I'll be honest with you, having that internal battle with yourself every single day, eventually you're going to probably start to lose if things don't change. And by things don't change, I don't mean changing your life. I don't mean changing your schedule. I mean, changing the way that you are approaching and thinking about what you're trying to accomplish. Okay. Talking about the match between the goals that you have or want to achieve and the resources you have available to achieve them. Typically, when we think about discipline and willpower, we think about being, like I said, kind of all in or all out. Oftentimes, when I talk to people who are trying to achieve specific goals, not everybody, I mean, there are a ton of runners out there and I do recognize you, like you get it done. <laughs> We're not worried about you missing a run for the most part, although some of you probably should take an unplanned rest day every now and then. It's for the vast majority of people who I'm speaking to right now who genuinely are like, yeah, I actually struggle to stay consistent, struggle to get, I, I usually miss at least run one run most weeks, sometimes more. My life is very busy. I feel tired kind of all the time. And sometimes I just simply don't have the willpower to make myself do it. Now, what happens in this situation is they see this from a lot of people is that I'll be talking to somebody, we're doing like a coaching consult or something, and they'll say, you know, right now uh, I'm running, you know, I try to run three days a week. I'm usually running two. Sometimes I'll do three days a week. Um, I know I should be running more. So, you know, I'd really like to, I'd really like to focus on a training schedule that has me running four or five days a week so I can be more consistent. <laughs> what? 
you're not being consistent now. Why would you think that you have that doing more would would it be beneficial? You don't currently have the resources to meet the demands of three days a week. Why would you assume that running five days a week would be better or somehow more manageable? And when people say, the responses I usually get is, well, I find it easier to maintain my schedule when I'm doing it most days, right? That all or nothing, I'm either all in or I'm all out, right? If I take too many days off or whatever it is in between, I lose my motivation or I lose my willpower to continue, right? So if I usually run, let's say Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, right? By the time Saturday rolls around, I'm just like exhausted and can't even get out the door. Or maybe I mean to run on Monday and Wednesday, but I'm, I'm so wiped from work, it doesn't happen. So I just run Saturday, Sunday instead. So in this situation, logically, if you do not currently have the resources to be consistent in the schedule you currently have, why would you think that adding more would help you be more consistent? It might in the short term. And in the short time, I mean the very short term, right? How many of us have started a new exercise routine and been like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to go all in, whatever, behavior change, right? I'm going to do yoga every day. I'm going to drink lemon water every morning. I'm going to do this stated healthy behavior and I'm going to do it every single day or whatever it is, most days. And you might do it for a week, maybe two weeks. And then, like I said, something, maybe one day you literally just forget or something knocks you off your schedule and then you never do it again. It's just gone forever, right? Again, because the foundation upon which that behavior rested wasn't stable. You weren't, you weren't trying to chase it for the right reasons and you likely weren't matching that behavior with the resources that you have available. I would so much rather see somebody run three days a week consistently, then five days a week, one week, and zero days the next week. When we are chasing true long-term consistency, it is not about doing as much as possible. It is about doing as much as we have the ability to do given our current phase of life and making sure that we are matching our expectations with the reality of what we are capable of doing. I sometimes see people choose outcome goals and then backtrack and and then try to fill that in with behavior change. And that often ends up in disaster. So what does this mean? You choose a big goal, right? We're gonna use the merit. That's a we're gonna use a marathon example because that's a really big goal. And this is, I think, a good example for me to use because I see this too much. And to be frank with you, it's honestly dangerous to do this. You are saying to yourself, gee, I'm really struggling to stay consistent or I need a big goal to motivate me to be consistent or achieve X, Y, Z, right? So I'm going to train for a marathon. There's nothing bigger than and scarier than a marathon except an ultra. Hello, ultra folks. Welcome to the show. There's nothing bigger and scarier than a marathon. That's got to motivate me to be consistent in my training. Will it? Do you know what it takes to train for a marathon? You're going to you're going to terrify yourself through into all the way through marathon training? Do you think that's a reasonable way of approaching this goal? Do you have the ability to run as many days a week as it takes over the months that it takes to train for this marathon? Because to be honest with you, I see this a lot. Too much. Too much. You set the big goal, expecting that it will motivate you to affect your behavioral change. And it's simply, it might, like I said, at the beginning of the training cycle, or to be completely honest with you, sometimes you do get through the entire training cycle, but you burn out afterwards. It may work at the beginning. You are so terrified and motivated in equal measures that you are like all in. Yeah, I'm never going to miss a run, right? 
Often what happens in this case, though, is that when you have set this big goal to affect the behavior change, you've had to have it. You've had to make a big jump in your training load to get there. Right. So if you think training for a marathon, right, is going to make you consistent. Oh, you've only been running twice a week. Right. Not only. Right. But for a marathon, you need to run more than that. You think, well, right now I'm running twice a week. Uh, if I sign up for a marathon, that'll really help me be accountable and, and keep me consistent. Um, most marathon training plans, right, are going to make you run at least four days a week. Five for for uh, intermediate style plans, right? So maybe you go from running two days a week to four days a week. Doubled your training load overnight. Do you have the available resources to sustain that in the long term? Do you? Or did you find yourself injured, burnt out? halfway through were you missing runs did you miss one run and like just stopped running and the fear of the marathon was not enough to get you going again outcome goals extrinsic motivation and fear-based behavior change are not effective tools to create the the patterns of behavior and the consistency and the self-discipline that you're trying to create i know that they're not I know that they are not. That does not work for affecting long-term lasting behavior change. Discipline, self-discipline, is a marriage of understanding where you currently are, what you're trying to accomplish in the short and the long-term, and the resources that you have available to make that happen in a way that makes you feel good about what you're doing. Again, cannot shame and hate your way to your long-term goal. In order to create, you, like I said, we look at these people who are achieving what we believe the ideal form of self-discipline, whatever that thing is. I'm going to use this example. Before I became a runner, I could not fathom that people genuinely enjoyed getting up and running most days of the week. I was like, that's crazy. How That must take such an incredible amount of willpower and discipline for them to get up and suffer, you know, five days a week and run. Oh my God, because running so hard at the time. Yes. When you're running everything at like be above threshold, like I was every couple of months, go out for a run, crash and burn and be like, this is so hard. Why does anybody do this? That's crazy. Yeah, no wonder I felt that way about running, right? So I didn't understand that. What I understand now as a runner is that that's not what it's supposed to feel like. You're not supposed to get up most days and go do something that you hate. I don't get up every morning and say, gee, I hate running. I'm only doing this because I'm terrified of looking like a fool in front of my friends who I told I was going to run a marathon. So I'm going to do this anyways. Oh my God, how far is that going to get me? You have to find the intrinsic motivation to do the thing. You have to embrace the process goal more than anything else. And you also have to run easy on most of your runs. That will help a lot too. (laughs) So back to the available resources thing. Okay. If you are mismatching your available resources, your available time, your available emotional energy, your available physical energy with the goal and there's a huge gap between what you have the availability and the ability to do and the thing that you're trying to achieve right if you can only run two to three days per week right now running five days a week is not realistic could you eventually over time build up your consistency so that you are running consistently three days a week and then eventually running four days a week and then eventually running five days a week yes possibly if that's something that you wanted to do you have to understand the resources that it takes for that to happen and also be motivated by the right types of goals and behaviors in order to make that happen. So what can we do? What can we do to cultivate more discipline in our lives? (laughs) You got to work on loving yourself first and finding joy in the process. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that intrinsic, or sorry, I'm not saying that extrinsic motivation and outcome goals are garbage. They're not. 
you, you probably need them at some point, but you cannot rely on them completely. So if we're looking for real long-term change and consistency, it's important that you work on why you're doing this, finding enjoyment in the process and making sure that you are matching your available resources with the type of running that you're trying to do. For a lot of people, I'll be completely honest with you. For a lot of people, this means they need to be realistic about what they have the ability to do. Because I'm going to tell you something. Not all exercise is beneficial. What? Yeah, I said it. Exercise, running, strength training, cross training, yoga, all this stuff. It's only good for you. I'm not going to get into the whole like athletic adaptation thing, but it's honestly only good for you if you have the ability to recover from it effectively. You may think, you may have been told implicitly or explicitly that exercising as much as possible, running as much as possible, or running as, and then cross training the other days of the week, strength training, trying to do all of the things that there is essentially no downside to physical activity and that technically the goal should be to do as much as you possibly can fit into your life. That's not true. We know that's not true. Aside from the whole adaptation thing in that you need to effectively stress your body and recover from it in order to create these adaptations that we're looking for. And that takes very intentional types of stressing your body, AKA going for a certain type of run and then recovering from that run and periodizing your training week and making sure that you are doing a mix of easier and harder stuff and that everything's balanced and that you're eating enough and you're sleeping enough and you're taking, you know, the proper amount of recovery or rest days in between all those things, right? That's, that's just for adaptations. That's for athletic adaptations. Just in order to receive a a health benefit from exercise, we have to match our training load with the recovery that we have available. So for, and we talked about this on the show before, and I talk about this all the time. Stress is stress is stress. You have finite ability to recover from stress. You have emotional stress, you have physical stress, you have psychological stress. You have a whole bunch of stress in your life related to your work, related to your family, related to, we all have our own stressors, right? You have finite ability to deal with stress. Now there are generally, there are two types of stress. It's called, there's one called eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, eustress, distress, D-I-S-T-R-E-S, distress, spells like, spelled like it sounds like, eustress and distress. Distress is what it sounds like. This is, these are also called good stress and bad stress. Bad stress, distress is stress that basically has no upside. You just need to match it with recovery. Okay. So sleep deprivation has no upside. You just need to match it with proper recovery, which is fixing your sleep deprivation. Okay. Stress is stress, right? Uh, good stress, good stress is stress that when met with appropriate recovery spurs an adaptation, right? Exercise. Right? Some forms of, say, emotional things that we go through that cultivate resilience in the long term. Met with the appropriate recovery and coping skills, you can turn eustress into a benefit. However, eustress activities are only beneficial if you appropriately match them with recovery and resources and coping skills. If you don't, they're bad stress. Okay. If you don't have the resources to run five days per week, but you do it anyways, that's not going to be beneficial for you in the short, medium, or long term. Running as much as possible, exercising as much as possible is not the goal. There is such a thing as too much. And for many, 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 many recreational runners, I see a misunderstanding of one, this fundamental concept that you actually can't exercise all the time if you are not matching that with appropriate recovery and rest and resources, including sleep and food and stress management in your other parts of your life. But two, that you, many people have a fundamental misunderstanding of their baseline stress load. And then they try to do a whole bunch of training on top of that. And then they crash and burn because this all feeds back into willpower, discipline, motivation, 
right? If you are motivating yourself through shame and fear and you are grinding yourself down into a a period of overreaching or overtraining and everything feels bad, right? You're You're not enjoying this. You're not experiencing benefit. You are essentially driving yourself forward out of fear and shame. So then of course, when you get the, when your body gets the chance to breathe, when something happens and you're like, oh my God, you know, this burnout, what is that? That is a mis a misunderstanding of how many resources that you had available to expend achieving, trying to achieve this goal. So sometimes when I see people talk about willpower and discipline, it's that they're trying to do something that genuinely is not realistic. Oh, I couldn't find, I couldn't motivate myself. I don't have the... I I tried to have the discipline. I simply don't have the willpower to, do you not have the willpower or do you genuinely not have the resources at this point in time to make that happen? And there are a bunch of people out there who have, like I said, a misunderstanding of the available resources that they have in order to achieve the goals they're trying to achieve. So if you are in a place where you are doing XYZ in your training and you're struggling to do more, even though you want to, or feel like you should examine why that is. It's probably not an issue of motivation. Like I said, most people are, are genuinely plenty motivated to reach their goals long, you know, generally speaking, right? Intrinsically or extrinsically, right? Are you, do you literally have enough resources to try to do what you're doing? Because it takes a whole lot more willpower to do things when you are resource depleted, because a whole lot more self-discipline to do things when you're resource depleted, because that is a form of denial, right? A form of, of, uh, a form of feeling like you're just not trying hard enough, right? I bet you're, I bet you're trying plenty hard. I bet that you're probably doing the best that you could do with the resources you have available. Okay. I honestly bet that you are. Now you may not like what that means in terms of what you can currently accomplish, But that takes a true and honest accounting of what else is happening in your life. Are you sleeping enough? Are you eating enough? Are you eating enough of the right types of foods? Are there micronutrient deficiencies? Are you experiencing an extraordinarily high amount of personal stress in your life, chronically or acutely? If you travel a lot for work, that's incredibly stressful. If you work really long hours, that's incredibly stressful. If you are balancing parenting and being with a partner and working that's incredibly stressful if you are caring for an aging parent that's incredibly stressful if you are in a calorie deficit that's incredibly stressful on your body if you are in a sleep deprivation state you are it's an incredibly stressful thing on your body all of this can then feel like when you are working in this resource depleted state that when you try to exercise quote unquote exercise your willpower or discipline or have self-control over doing certain things and you cannot exercise that willpower discipline or self-control it can then feel like you are in a failure because again we equate discipline and, and all of this sacrifice with our our like worth and more morality as a person right so then it and then you spiral and then it becomes a shame spiral so always important where are you currently in your life is what you're trying to accomplish with your running extrinsically or intrinsically motivated and how much of each what are, what are the goals that you're trying to achieve? Are they outcome-based? Are they process-based? What combination of those goals? Something I talked about recently was this idea that when we, when we zoom out and stop looking at individual training cycles as little islands that are disconnected from everything else, when we realize that each training cycle is simply one in a long lovely, beautiful line and path of training cycles that we get to go through and explore. The perspective on how we think about an individual training cycle and the goals we're trying to accomplish changes a lot. If you are looking at an individual training cycle, maybe it's one you're about to enter. Maybe it's one that you're currently in. Maybe it's one that you just finished as like the only thing that matters. If I don't achieve this goal, my world is ended right? Then that, that by nature will skew your focus and motivation in that training cycle to outcome goals and to extrinsic motivation. 
when you consider, again, the long-term goal of consistency over time, when you zoom all the way out and consider each individual training cycle as being simply one step along the path that you're taking, it is far, far easier to realize that your ultimate goals in this training cycle or the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one are more intrinsically motivated and allow you to focus more on process goals. And that makes a huge difference in trying to cultivate that self-discipline the ability to manage your thoughts, emotions, or behavior in the face of temptation in order to achieve a specific goal. And the specific goal in this case could be long-term progress and success. It is easier to get out the door when we put less pressure on ourselves to do things, right? If you are going for a run because, yeah, you know, it's going to move you forward one little by little in your larger goal, But also, you know that this individual run is simply one of many runs that you're doing and you're running because at the end of the day, you derive personal satisfaction and achievement from it. That is a much different place than trying to exercise, quote unquote, willpower in staying consistent with your training because you signed up for something that terrifies you or you've told your friends you want to achieve a goal or you're only focused on what the outcome is or what other people are going to think of you. A lot of thinking here, a lot of ways to explore what's actually going on. What are you actually chasing? What are you actually trying to accomplish? And like I said, being consistent in the long term does mean getting out the door on days that you don't feel like it. Okay? But that should not be most days. And honestly, if it is, if you're going through a period of your training where you are really struggling to get out the door, I would do a deep dive into where your motivations are, what the goals are that you're trying to achieve, the resources you currently have available. Is there something that's changed in your life, right? Really important to recognize that we go through seasons of our life, not just seasons of our training. And there's nothing wrong with taking a step back. Self-discipline is not always taking action. Self-discipline sometimes means not doing something. The ability to manage your thoughts, emotions, or behavior in the face of temptation or to achieve a specific goal, some days that will look like not running, not working out. That may look like taking an off-season. That may look like DNSing your race, right? Self-discipline really needs to be considering the long, long term. It's not about forcing yourself to work out or to run or to exercise or to do whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. It's not about forcing yourself to do anything. It's about creating an environment that allows you to match your available resources with the intrinsic and the process-oriented goals that you are focusing on. And yeah, trying to achieve those things in the short and the long term. Now, here's the thing, very end of this. Thank you for being here today. I will say this type of stuff is a lot easier to work with with a coach. If you are struggling with quote unquote consistency, if you are struggling with quote unquote discipline or willpower, you may not be able to see what you're currently doing and and how that may be impacting what you're trying to do. Like a lot, like I've said previously, it's Even when you know what you're doing, it's really hard to coach yourself because we are unable to be objective about our own training, even when we know what we're doing. It's just impossible, right? This is why you can't operate on family members when you're a surgeon. This is why you can't treat uh, your family members or yourself when you're a therapist, right? You, you You can't do this, right? Even when you know have the skill set to do it with somebody else, coaching yourself is one of the hardest things to do effectively because it requires a level of objectivity that most most people, the vast majority of people, myself included, simply don't have. So if you are struggling with this, this is one of the biggest things that we do with our coaching clients, helping create consistency, matching their training load with their current available resources, and working on goals that are not simply outcome focused or extrinsically motivated 
at helping you understand your intrinsic motivation, working on process goals, and creating the sustainable habit so that that consistency can live on for years to come. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.